Very good evening to you folks and welcome to the evening service. This morning I asked the worship team when they've chosen this song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, uh, whether they know it is my wedding song. They don't know, of course. Well, the timing is so good that I'm scheduled to preach and this song comes as a refreshment and things. And to further inform you on a personal note, uh, two, two days' time will be my wedding anniversary with my wife after 42 years of wedding. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, I'm not supposed to preach this Sunday. Uh. Two Sundays ago, I was scheduled. But the timing and move in such a way uh, it's something to share with you on a personal note. Just on personal note only. <laughs> Thank you for the talk with us. Well, this evening our meditation with you is on the topic I have in mind and the Lord lay upon me to share that our God is a gracious God. Our God is a gracious God, especially with all the hymns that we have been praising the Lord and seeing His faithfulness from one to the other. And come October, the church will be celebrating also our anniversary. You can see how many years the Lord has given us in the church ministry. So the text we have in mind is taken from Psalm 145, uh, from 8 to 13. Well, before we look into it, before we look into it, may I invite you to join me for prayer now? Lord, we want to thank you for this hour of worship that you have graciously extended to us. And we thank you that we are, we are able to make our present and to be in the church, as a family, as a body of Christ together, to unite our voices, to sing praises to you, and to remind ourselves your goodness and your faithfulness. And we thank you. As now we are in the time of meditation, Lord, we want to pray for the move of the Holy Spirit among us to guide us through our thoughts, thinking and inspiration from you to your very blessed word to us. So speak to us, Lord, as all the people here listen. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. The scripture text taken here to share with you will be a background note in mind, Psalm 145, verse 8 to 13. Beginning with verse 8, we say, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. It's a beautiful nature that we see how God be honoured in this way. And you can see on the flip side, on the human point of view, we can add, we are always quick to anger, but slow to love. But here, God is really gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Not only that, the Lord is good to all, meaning He loves every one of us, young or old, different colors, different nationalities, and race and so on. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He makes, as we are made by the Lord Himself. And your 
all your works praise you. Your faithful people exhort you. You see, there are praises coming from God's people to Him. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. We can't help but to praise God and to give Him the glory. So that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. That's a mission that we are continue to share God's work and love to all nations. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your domain endures through all generations. God's kingdom is everlasting. We see kingdom comes and go. Different empires from history till now. Different sets of presidents, different sets of politicians. But God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Eternal. The Lord is worthy of all He promises and faithful in all He does. God always keeps His promise and be faithful in doing so. And we have just sung, Great is Thy faithfulness. Morning and morning we praise Him. You see, when you read this psalm, it really brings up to us how the psalmist is so close to the Lord. Praising Him every moment of His life and to acknowledge the God that you and I know is full of compassion and gracious to us. So this is our kind of thought we have in mind this evening to share with you that we know that God continues His greatness to us. Unfortunately, you look at the world situation that in spite of what they are, God still loves them. We want to thank God for this godly patience that we've seen in God Himself. And I'm sure you and I will come across people who will still go against Him, reject Him, ignore Him, rebel against Him, and so on and so forth. As if we are living in the age of Noah's time. We take God for granted. And some even may claim they have an unknown God in their lives and they rather worship the creatures than God Himself. But we want to thank God that we are people of God and to acknowledge this loving God who is full of compassion and is gracious to us. You know, look up the word gracious, it really the favour of God really with us. And to me, I will link up the word grace. In Greek term, it's called charis. Undeserved favour or merit that we get from God. As we all know, we are all sinners saved by that very grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no man can boast of. We want to thank God that we enter His kingdom. Simply, is a gift of God. Grace that comes to us. Nothing to do with our performance, our giving perhaps, or our charity shows and so on. Thank God for all these contributions that we make to God or to the society. But if you think that will earn you a place in heaven, that is not so in God's teaching to us. The way that you and I will enter heaven is only by faith and faith alone. 
And someone put here, great is the unconditioned love God has for everyone. Salvation does not need to be earned. Instead, it can be achieved by believing in God and His Son, Jesus Christ. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. In other words, you just have to open our heart to God and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and thank you as a gift that you come to us. And through you, I have eternity. That's it. That's where grace will come to us. And we realize this is a free gift that you don't have to really do much or labor much. God willingly offers himself to us. I'm sure you're familiar with this acronym. We say God reaches at Christ's expense. It's grace. God reaches at Christ's expense. Nothing from us. God himself gave and God himself will take the harvest from us as his people. However, sometimes we also use the word grace quite easily. Our thinking, we talk about grace period. You enter parking, you have 15 minutes of grace. Or perhaps now extend to 20 minutes. Or the bank will give you one month grace to pay out. Or your insurance premium will say, yeah, we extend your premium payment one more month grace. And so on. Or you may describe a dancer. Or he or she dance gracefully. But that really bring out the grace that we've seen from the scripture. That God we are, that we are all saved by the very grace, the undeserved merit that God has given to us. We have we can't do anything to earn salvation in the sight of God. I want to bring you back to this amazing grace hymn. We love singing it, folks. If you Google it, you realize this hymn has been in the world for almost 250 years. Amazing grace is still singing among us. John Newton, the writer, who had this experience to say that after a storm that he met, you know, he started as a sailor and a slave trade businessman. In other words, he buys slaves and he sells off the slave, slave trade business. Then he realized one day during his business trip, he met a great storm. And he kneeled down and he prayed, God save me. And I guess that prayer will include, if you have saved me, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You know, that kind of dying time, you offer yourself fully and reservedly to the Lord. But God saved him and the people on board of the ship. But he went back home, safe and sound. But then the thought of God has never left him. It was say, although he continued his business, finally he realized one day God has really spoken to him and touched his life. He's gave up his trading, committed his life to follow Jesus, and even became the minister of the church. We call it a pastor of the church in those days. <coughs> and he will say while he's serving as a church minister, 
he wrote song, shared with others, and suddenly developed the writing, and he penned down this amazing grace. And folks, if you look at the lyrics of it, it was more to the effect of his own personal testimony. That how he realized that God has saved him and really sounds so sweet. The one he was like a wretch. And now he was he was lost and now he had been found. And he was blind, but now he sees. Do you realize that folks? If you and I will continue to sing this, it is so close to our hearts. Because it's like our own experience too. That once we are far away from God, couldn't see Him, appreciate Him, we are living in a sense of darkness. <coughs> Excuse me. But when we encounter God in life, in a special revelation to us, our souls is weakened. Just like John Newton was touched by God and he penned this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the song. The saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. We sing it so warmly and so close to our heart. Simply because God has God's grace has come to us too, in the same manner. We can't deny it. And so we want to cherish God's grace in us and to see how we can progress from here. So this evening I want to highlight two areas of this grace to us. We call it God's grace is found in Paul's life, the first one. The second point is God's grace is in our daily living. I'm sure you're familiar with the text taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. And let me read to you with these verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. For because of this surprisingly great revelation, therefore in order to keep me becoming concise, I was giving a thorn in my flesh, messenger of Satan, to torment me. Now Paul started off by telling the people, I got a great revelation from God. God had touched my life too. Once I was a persecutor of the church, remember his conversion? Then the Lord met him on the way to Damascus, changed his life, turned him around, and moved on to become the preacher of the gospel. Though he like, Wow, look at me today, how God has challenged me and moved me. I have the great passing revelation of God in me. But here Paul said, But in order God to keep me conceived, not to be proud of what I want to demonstrate, God had given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Biblical scholars will say, Yes, I joke. God permit Satan to work on Paul or to tempt him and see how strong his faith was. But here, the testing came to him was a thorn in the flesh. 
biblical scholar had a hard time debating what this item was about. Some will say it could be the eyesight, poor, poor eyesight that Paul was having. Because he will always write. You look at the right, uh, writing, uh, a big letter or, uh, that I have to do and look at it. Meaning he may have some problem with the eye. Or some scholar will say perhaps he had a heart or the headache in mind. Quite interesting to read this background. And some will say we got involved, Satan's attack could be the act of some sinful situation that Paul was in. So whatever it is, there were no two answers about the thorn in the flesh. But something is there troubling Paul. So much so, he asked and he prayed for three times, Lord, please take it away from me. I cannot bear it anymore. Have mercy upon me. He cried to the Lord. Then the Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In verse 9. Therefore, Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul got the revelation that God is working in his life. Yes, there was a pain in him. But he knows God's grace is always sufficient for him to endure it, to bear it. So much, know, so much so that he knows the more weaknesses he sees in himself, the stronger he will be in the Lord. Not to weaken him in the Lord, but to strengthen him. How beautiful it is. Sometimes we thought we want to be a superman, perhaps. God need not to do anything on my life. I can handle everything. Can we? But folks, we are still humans. We still fall and tumble. We can't go far. But if you recognize that weaknesses you have, it will be a good point for us to grow closer to God and to draw strength from Him. That's what Paul is saying here. The more difficulty things I see in life, the trial and suffering that I'm going through will not weaken me. Although they try, although I have, but ultimately, I have the strength and power to overcome it through Christ, the Lord and the Savior. For His grace, His favor is sufficient for me to hold me on. Now, many of us will ask ourselves, Paul, being so-called a spiritual giant, got to go through this. How come? How can we see God's being so merciless on him? and working such a hard time for him. It applies to us too, right? Many of us struggle through our trial and suffering. Say, God, how come it's happened to me? How come my medical problem have not solved or resolved? My financial issue is still with me. 
My family issue is still with me. And some even will grieve over the loss of the dear ones. How can that happen to me? All this year I've been faithful going to church, worshipping you, O oh dear God. How come such thing be happen to me? And I like and I heard this pastor preacher would say, Folks, do you realize that we are on a journey? A faith journey, running a marathon marathon race. You will meet obstacles. But every obstacle that you have to strengthen you, not to weaken you. For whether you like it or not, we are asked to grow maturity in the Lord. Be mature in the faith. That will help us to warm up in our growth in the Lord Jesus. Of course, we don't mean that the more you have, the stronger you are. But here the teaching is, the more you have, the the more mature that you will be able to. Because we always learn by mistake, so to speak. And strengthen each time that we go through. And not to weaken us. So we want to affirm to realize that God's grace is always sufficient for us. And Paul reckoned, is also the gift and power that God has given to him. He talked about the grace and also the power of Christ coming to his life to strengthen him in the faith, in his faith journey with the Lord himself. So it would be good to pause and to thank God for every trial and suffering that you and I will go through. Because from there, you come out stronger. Like after passing to the tunnel, you see the light brighter, folks. Not to keep you in the darkness. I pray that as we go to that tunnel of darkness, you begin to see the lights before us in the coming day. For God's grace is always sufficient for us. And more so, He will always hear our prayer. You know, we have seen the world in crisis. The world remains a challenge for us. COVID is not over yet. But we still not stop praying for the world. We know there will be a shortage of food. But we are not stopping to pray for the world. And we know crisis here and there but we continue to lift up our prayer to God. And the Bible has a lot of promises of God's coming to us to the way we come back to Him through prayer. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Psalm 18, verse 6. In my distress, I call upon the Lord. To my God, I call, I cry for my help. For his temper, he heard my voice and my cry to him, which is years. Amen. Our prayer reaches the years of the Lord. And this is how we keep us so close to him. 
And the final verse here, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I pray, folks, that the time that you go through your trial and suffering will go, draw you closer to him than ever. I want to share with you this beautiful testimony of Fanny Crosby. She was no stranger to many of us. I call her a beautiful saint who has written 8,000 hymns in a lifetime. But folks, do you realize she was a blind person? Blind at the age of six weeks old only, not even a full-grown baby. To the mistake of the medical treatment given to her, on looking her eyes, the wrong type of medicine was given, you were saying, and caused her to blind the rest of her life. But she never gave up her life or found depressed. Faithfully, she enrolled herself and did what a normal person could be doing. And beautifully, she was given the gift of music. She wrote 8,000 hymns. Hymns like Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross, All the Way My Saviour Leads Me, I Am Dying, O Lord, and so on and so forth. And we are still singing all these hymns today. In fact, she died at the age of 95 years old. It's a faithful servant of the Lord. And God used her as a beautiful gift to us in music. And this is what she writes in some of the quotes she has. Let me quote to you here. If I have a choice, she said, I will still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first place, the first face I will ever see will be the face of my blessed Savior. Good and good. She takes her blindness as a gift of God, folks. God had given her the gift. Second quote says, It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life, and I thank Him for the dispensation. A perfect earthly sight will offer me tomorrow. I will not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. She was, I would say, happily remained blind so that her focus and concentration was really on God and God alone. And one of the quotes, still want to quote in the same way, that she did not see her blindness and blindness, and she wrote this way, because when I get into heaven, the first face, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. She looked forward to see the face of Jesus as she opened her eyes. I guess this speaks to us also our eternity, that we will be passed on we shall able to see the face of Jesus. Do we look forward to that, folks? 
for us to ponder over it. For it is through the Son of God that we have life and have it eternally. Ultimately, we will see the Lord in heaven. Let me move to my point two to remind ourselves that God's grace can and found an experience in our daily life. It's not so much of heavy going with you on the grace, but it's just simply the grace that we say over the dinner or the table or the meal. Normally before we take food or meal, we say let us have grace or say grace. That's it. We want to use the word grace in this way. I'm sure you have read and come across testimonies of strangers or a young man or a young lady meeting with a Christian family and the first encounter they have with Christianity was the way they witnessed family say grace over the table. And that touched their lives. And here I discovered and found out this called the Father's Table Grace. A very meaningful prayer. I want to share with you at this time. I want to read slowly and so that you can follow it. It goes like that. As we sit at the table, my friend Miss hates Paolo. My thoughts return to childhood and the finest man I know. He doesn't speak good English. He's just a simple man. But when he's talking to the Lord, even a little child understands. I was young and foolish, but the thought still comes to me. When I told my daddy, I felt I was old enough to live. He sat there at the table and I looked at him on his face, but he never spoke another word till he said the table grace. This is a prayer. He said, Our gracious Heavenly Father, we all gathered here today to give thee thanks for blessings. So humbly we pray. Our oldest girl is living. I guess she knows what's best. But just in case, will you stand by and help her stand the test? Lord, she's a little bit neglectful about church on Sunday morning. But if she gets with the wrong crowd, will you let her hold your arm? And if she flies too high, will you clip her wings? But don't let her fall too hard. I'm sure, Lord, you can handle things. I try my best <clears throat> from day to day to teach her right from wrong. But now she has grown to be a fine young lady and she always bless our home. We pray thee, Lord, for guidance that she won't build upon the sand and that we won't worry half as much. But if we, she's in your hands. And oh yes, Lord, it won't be long till I be coming home. Don't make, don't make me wait too long. We pray thee, Lord, for guidance 
Please cleanse us from our sins, so we all be together in heaven. In Jesus' name. And let's hear the conclusion by this prayer. The table was silent, and tears ran down my face. From that day on, I based my life on the Father's table grace. Amen. Folks, you never know what that prayer means to someone who is around you at the table. Then we ask ourselves, how often do we say prayer at the table? Well, especially saying a grace. You will never know what it means. I would like to encourage family to have this family meal together and to ignite or reinforce this saying of grace meal. Of course, we thank God for every food that provided, the provision of life given. But at the same time, I'm sure there is something else to pray for one another. But of course, we are mindful that those Kids, especially nowadays, are so engrossed with the handphones, they may not pay much attention. So what we do, we have a meal with our grandchildren. We try to discourage them to having a handphone together. So we started by every meal that we want to say at the night, one at a time. Tuesday you, Wednesday you, Thursday you, Friday you. Of course, Monday start with the grandfather, you know, things like that. And my my wife like it show to the street. Let's hold hand together so that they can put out their handphone and to say grace. Now, folks, we want to reinforce such a manner of speaking the Lord even over a table or at the table. I'm sure we can reinforce many other teachings along the way with them in the growing up. It would be good that they can come to church once a week only, but what about Monday to Saturday? How are we going to reform, reinform the, uh, reinform the, enforce the teaching of Christian discipline and reading a scripture together and so on? Well, there are other things that my wife has ministered to this kid, but let me keep it to another sermon with you. <laughs> now, I'm not posting about that. It's just a matter of sharing to encourage family time and uh, <laughs> devotion together and so on. But here I learned from this, the Lord's uh, the table grace, the Father's table grace, that how this testimony could be a challenge for us because from henceforth, my life is based on that prayer that the daddy has said with a very simple language, simple thought, but full of the spirit that we did him. And so we want to encourage family, especially parents, Set a good example, put on your handphone while having meal, switch it off, mute it, 
and have a time together along the table, thanking God for every meal that you have. So I pray that this moment of sharing with you, the thought that you appreciate God's grace coming to us, that our God is a gracious and compassionate God. Amen? Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for these thoughts of knowing you in a very special way. And we want to thank you. The scripture reminded us that no matter what situation we are in, your grace is always sufficient for us. So help us be faithful and continue to grow into Christian maturity, leading a life of holiness before you. And to give you all the honor and all, all the glory that you deserve from us. So we pray for these dear ones at this moment of worship. They will continue to come to you and closer at each time they pray. Knowing the Lord, you hear our prayer. Especially we say it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>